Yeah, give them a great hand to Eddie Hawks and the orchestra. They do a great, great job rehearsing, working really, really hard to bring great music to us. I hope you've had a good afternoon. It's so good to see you back in church tonight, and uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm really excited about the message. I think it's going to help us all, and uh, we're going to get into that in just a moment. But uh, it probably would be a good thing for me to just sort of, you know, clear my head, clear my heart, clear my soul a little bit beforehand. Uh, Dan and I also were talking uh, earlier before the service. It might be a little bit preemptive. How many of you know that we have a, a, a pastor that is not only a great, great pastor, but quite a character as well? How many of you know that? How many of you know it really, really funny? How many of you know that? And so I fear, because I know, I know him well, and I fear that this story may eventually make it around to you, so I want to be a little bit preemptive and go ahead and provide uh, my alibi which is somewhat weak, I might add, but nevertheless. Well, Thursday, we have staff devotion every Thursday, and I, I see a friend I'm going to bring into a story, and he's seated right back over there. And another friend I want to bring into the story, so I'm not standing all alone in this regard. But on Thursday, every Thursday morning, we do staff devotion. And pastor, just like he does here in the sanctuary, does a great job on, um, on our staff devotions and speaking to us, motivating, inspiring the staff. I, I, don't, I don't know what was going on in my mind Thursday, but I was seated near the front. I wanted to be supportive. I was seated near the front, and all I heard, I don't know what was happening. I must have been caught up in a God moment. I, I, I don't know. But uh, I hear the last three words of a, pas a passage that pastor has just read. Pastor, being as keen as he is, senses that I may have been momentarily distracted. I, I, again, this is my alibi. I know it's weak, but I need to get this off my chest. So he sees this all going down. I hear the last three words of the passage, and then he looks over at me, and he says, Jeff, why don't you tell us what that passage means? absolutely busted. I look at him. I look down. I look back at him, and I'm like, I really have no idea. And he just sort of… And then, pastor, who now he wants to accentuate this, our pastor of spiritual formation and discipleship is seated out like about here. So pastor wanted to prove a point by having Craig show me up with his response, calls on Pastor Craig Butler. He looks at, he looks at me again, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I don't, why, why, why? You know, I'm, why did I just, you know, this, oh, my. And, and he looks, and he says, Craig, why don't you tell everybody what this passage means? I love this. Craig looks like this. And he says, I don't know either. And I'm like, friend, you're getting lunch this week. I am by this, just this. 
this, you're getting lunch, my treat, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do. I told him that afterwards. Well, pastor not to be denied. You think pastor's going to stop there? Absolutely not. So he called on our incredible children's pastor, Pastor John. And he said, John, because somebody's going to get this straight, he says, John, I want you to tell everybody what this means. Do you know the answer to the, that apparently Craig and I have all filed up? And I love what John did. By the way, I owe him lunch too. John gave the response that every kid in children's church gives to every question they're ever asked, and the answer to the question, no matter what the subject is, is always the same answer. John, John too looked around for a moment, and he said, Jesus. And it's from Psalm 91 in the Old Testament. Then he's looking for his son. Tim, Pastor Tim, and Tim starts ducking down behind one or the other. So we're all in big trouble. Pray for us. Pray for us. I owe lunch to a lot of people this week. So that's my side of the story. I, I tried to the next day say to Pastor, because it was Psalm 91, I heard that somewhere. Pastor, my grandmother, when I was very young, She'd read Psalm 91 to me, and maybe I was just thinking about my dear grand, and he's like, not a chance, not a chance. Don't even try. Don't even try. So pray for us. John, pick out where you want to go to lunch. I love the Bible, don't you? I love reading the Bible. I love studying the Bible. And uh, I don't know if you're like this. I never get bored with the Bible. Never, 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 never get bored with the Bible. But sometimes I need a transition in the way that I study the Bible. And so I'll study it a different kind of way. And uh, recently I've been studying uh, back in the Old Testament, the whole story. David's coming to the end of his reign and leadership, and, and he wants to build this house for God. He's already built his house, and I, I think he's feeling a little bit bad about that. And so uh, he wants to build a house for God. And, and God's like, and again, I'm paraphrasing, uh, God is like, you know, David, I really value, I really appreciate the fact that you want to build a house for me. And it's wonderful but David, you're not the guy to do it. Because David, how many of you remember this, where God says, David, I appreciate it, but the fact of the matter is you're not the guy to build my house, my temple, because you're a man of much, you remember this? Bloodshed. So you're not the guy. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to allow your son to be the guy who's going to build your house. And I love it. I love the way this works out. I'm always intrigued by the Bible. David makes it easy for Solomon, his son, and so David raises all the money ahead of time for the project. He gets the plans together. He's got all the renderings, all the drawings. He's got it all together. He's already the people who's going to do the stonework, who's going to do the timber, who's going to... He's got all of this lined up, and he just basically presents it to, to his son Solomon. And now Solomon is going to build a temple for God. And it takes a long, long time for that to happen. Well, then David fades from the scene, and then he... You know, he has his, his son come into reign, into power, as it were. And Solomon, as you know the story about Solomon, he's a man of great wisdom. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, by the way, wisdom. And so Solomon just has this unbelievable wisdom that is so pronounced that people from all over the world actually travel to Solomon 
to just sort of hear of his great wisdom. All these songs he's written, these gardens he's planted, he's just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. We all know where it comes back to. He says, God, you know, give me wisdom. Most of you are familiar with that. You even heard Robert Morris recently allude to that when we watched The Blessed Life together, what Solomon prayed, that God would give him wisdom, and God gives him wisdom. Now, this is, this is how it sort of starts out. This is in the Bible. This is, a, this is not a story I'm making up. This is a story that is actually found. He's a new king, and, and I'm like, why did they pick this story? But it's, it's a story that just sort of sets the course for the great wisdom that Solomon has. And people would come to him for him to render decisions, and, and they'd present their circumstance to him, and he'd say, you know, out of the wisdom that God had blessed him with, I think we need to do this. And so the Bible tells us that there were these two ladies who lived under the same roof, and they each had a baby apparently about the same age. And one of the ladies, you remember this story? You remember this? In the middle of the night, apparently, she, she lays on her baby accidentally, and, and the baby passes away. So before the other mom, who has a baby of similar age, can wake up, she takes her baby, who is now deceased, and puts it into the arms of the other mom and takes the baby that is alive. And she takes that, and this is my baby. How many of you remember that story? You remember this? And so they both go, and I mean, you know, this, this mom is so heartbroken, and they present their situation. You got this mom that is saying, you know what, this is my baby, and the other mom is saying, no, this is my baby, and how do you determine who the real baby is? And then Solomon, in a feat of great wisdom, he looks, and he says to an attendant there somewhere, he said, hey, bring me a sword. This is in the Bible. Bring me a sword, and he's not going to do it, but he's, you know, about to demonstrate this profound wisdom that God has blessed him with. He said, bring me a sword. He takes the sword. He said, I've got an answer for this situation. Let me just cut the baby in half, and we'll give, we'll give half to each mom, and then you're sort of satisfied. And, and, you, and the mother who had lost her child, remember? She says, yeah, good idea. Great, great. I think that's a good plan. Yeah. And the other mother says, no, 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 no. Just take the baby and give the baby, although the baby is hers, give the baby to her. And Solomon looked around the room. That's the real mom. Give the baby. And people are just like, where did he get that kind of wisdom? And again, it is demonstrated. I mean, that's just sort of the initial getting them. And again and again, people are coming, and they're astounded by the wisdom that God has entrusted them. All right, so take that. I mentioned to you a few moments ago that I like. I never get store, uh, uh, bored studying the Bible, but I do like to change it up sometimes. So uh, from time to time, I'll just take a passage or, or a chapter or even a, like a New Testament letter, and I'll just say, I so want to get into this. I'll just write it out, not all at once, but maybe four, five, six verses you know, in my study, and then I'll just read over it, read over it. God, please help me see this. Please help me to have some understanding of this. I want to learn, show me, and I'll try to remember, you know, memorize a section of it. And so I decided that I wanted to do this with the book of, of James. And Solomon is, uh, he personified wisdom in the Old Testament, and then we get into the New Testament and James, you know, the half-brother of Jesus, he's talking about this thing that all of us need. How many of you know every one of us in this sanctuary tonight, we could stand a good dose of wisdom? How many of you know that? We all need it. You need it in your family. You need it in your work. You need it in all these decisions. And some of you, you've got some decisions that are yet ahead of you, and you're like in your family, like, what am I going to do about this? And I need God. Give me wisdom. God, I've got to make this decision at work. What do I do about it? What do I do? And just on and on. God, how many times have we said, help God, help God, help God? I need some wisdom here. Have you done that? I've done that a gazillion times. 
And then James lets us know, and this is so powerful to me, James has a lot to say about wisdom, and we're going to look at a portion of it uh, tonight. So look with me right up here on the screen. This is out of James chapter 1, and this is him speaking, and he says, if any of you, read these two words with me, everybody, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously. That's how God gives wisdom. He gives it out in generous doses to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when a person asks for wisdom, because that's what James is talking about, when a person asks for wisdom, he must, what's this word? He must believe and not, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, read it with me, a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. And so right out of the gate, James is talking about this, and he's showing us that uh, if there's anybody, and I think categorically speaking, all of us fall into this in some regard, he says, is there anyone here that lacks wisdom? Is there anybody here that lacks wisdom in an area, or let's take it plural, not just singular? Is Is there anybody here that you lack wisdom? And if you do, here's how you could really get it. Now, how many of you right now, you can think of a situation, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your workplace, maybe in whatever domain of your life, and and you know right now you just sort of feel it breathing on you, you need, before you make a decision, you you need God to give you some wisdom about a matter. How many of you, that is applicable for you right now? For most of us, it probably is. All of us need wisdom. In fact, if we're real and practical, Either, either one is true. Either we lack wisdom or we lack humility to admit that we need wisdom because every one of us could use it, some additional wisdom in our life. And so James is writing about this, and he says, so who needs wisdom? And he'd say, we all do. And how do we get it? James said, well, I'll tell you how you get it. He says, we should ask God for it. And so think about that because a lot of you raised your hand a few moments ago and you said, you know what, I've got something sort of breathing down on me right now and I've got to make some decisions in in this area of my life or maybe, again, plural, areas of your life. You need the wisdom from God to be able to make the right decision, the right way, the right timing. And so you're like, hey, I could use some wisdom from God and I'm going to ask that God would give it to me and I really need it in my life. And so James is going to talk about this. There's a New Testament scholar His name is RVG Tasker, and I want you to look on the screen at what he says in regards to wisdom. He says, this higher wisdom is a, what does he say, a supernatural gift and that we must ask God for it. We've got to ask God for it. So a lot of you raised your hand and you acknowledged that, hey, you need some wisdom about a decision you got to make or circumstances that's evolving in your life. And so you do so with a confidence in saying, hey, uh, you know, if I'm going to follow the biblical pattern and I need wisdom about something, uh, it's not me trying to be smart enough or clever enough or strong enough. I I need some heaven sin. As as Tasker says here, I need this higher wisdom from God. It's a supernatural gift, and I believe that God wants to give it to me. Look at this verse from the Old Testament book of of Job. In fact, I'd love it if you'd read it. By the way, you're doing great. Read this whole verse with me, Job 12, 13. Let's read it together. But true wisdom and power are found in God. Counsel and understanding are His, which are certainly related terms. Maybe some of you are thinking, 
And, you know, I think it would be a limited few. In fact, I'd like to think that it would not be anybody in this sanctuary, but just in case you're thinking this way, I want to just briefly address it. Some of you be, may be thinking, well, you know, Pastor Jeff, appreciate it. I'm glad you're talking about this tonight, but personally, I just feel that I'm wise enough already. Oh, really? Are you? Look at Proverbs 3, 7. Never let yourself think that you are what? wiser than you are. Simply obey the Lord and refuse to do wrong. So James says, and I'm going to get to a real practical, real pragmatic part in this message in just a few moments, but I'm just trying to lay sort of the theological foundation of what we're going to see. So James says, if we lack wisdom, which all of us do, agreed? Would you agree? We all lack wisdom. We don't have perfected wisdom. We need God to help us. You know, James is saying, ask God for some wisdom. We all need this. Then he says, ask God for it. And when we ask, we should do so. And this is really, really important. We don't do this nearly enough in any area that we're asking God for help in. James said, listen, if you're going to ask for God for wisdom, go ahead and ask with this sense of, you ready for this? With expectancy. If you're going to ask God for wisdom, why would you not expect God to give it to you? Why would you just simply say, well, I want to ask for wisdom. Don't think God is really going to give it to me, but it seems like the logical and right thing to do. No, James said, don't do it that way. He said, ask God. Go ahead, step out, ask God. Say, God, I need help. I need wisdom help. I need help right now with this decision. God, give me wisdom. And James said, when you do that, you just know that God stands ready in heaven to give out wisdom. How did he say it? Generously. He's not just going to give us a small dose. He wants to give it to us generously. Uh, generously. And then he says, listen, when you do so, and you read it with me uh, just a few moments ago, when you ask, you must do so and believe and not doubt. Believe that God's going to give you the wisdom you're asking for. You've got to make a decision this week, this month, sometime in the next six months. And, and James is saying, listen, when you ask God to give you wisdom, fully expect that God is going to give you wisdom. In fact, God, because he loves you, is probably going to give you more wisdom than what you actually need. And so when you ask, ask with a sense of expectancy. Believe that you're going to receive it. Don't doubt. In fact, he says, and you saw it there, a double-minded person should not expect. I mean, this is sort of, you know, startling. Should not, a double-minded person don't expect to receive anything from God. So if you ask, and this is what James is saying, in essence, if you ask God for wisdom and you don't expect that you're going to get it, you're not. But if you ask him and you believe that he wants to give you wisdom about whatever decision it is that you need to make, then God's going to give it. Now, what is the implication? It is this. Our lack of wisdom is not the result of God's reluctance to give it to us. Let me say that again. Our lack of wisdom is not the result of God's reluctance to give it to us. It is our hesitation to ask. You say, I need wisdom, but I don't have it. Is that God's problem? No, our problem. We need to ask. Please listen, friends. You and I need God's wisdom more than we think we do. Wayne Caderos, great pastor, great writer, he provides us with some insight right here. Look at what he says. I read this probably three or four years ago. He says, wisdom, and this is a great statement, by the way, wisdom teaches you the lesson when? Before you make the mistake. On the other hand, consequences demand that you make the mistake first, only then it will teach you the lesson. 
I'd like for you to read this next verse, and I know I'm giving you a lot of verses here, but we're about to go practical with this. I'd like for you to read this next verse with me. This is back in the Proverbs as well. Proverbs 16, 16. Let's read it all together. How much better to get wisdom than gold to choose understanding rather than silver. And, and the wisdom writer, I mean, the Proverbs is a wisdom writer, and he's like saying, you know what? Wisdom is way more valuable to you. You may assess gold and silver in this way, but, but maybe you need to assess wisdom at a different level than how you're assessing it. Proverbs 8.11, you see this on the screen. Wisdom is worth much more, sort of tethered to to 1616, 8.11. Wisdom is worth much more than precious jewels or anything else you desire. So, how do you, and, and just think about this before we move on, how do you and I often assess wisdom? We, generally speaking, do not assess wisdom at the level that it is. We don't treat it as valuable as wisdom actually is. And sometimes, honestly, we don't appreciate it until it comes crunch time and we've got to make a decision. We're like, help, Lord. I need you to show me what to do. Did you know also that wisdom from God will help you also to see more clearly God's purpose and plan for your life? This is back in James. This is chapter 3, though, and, and look at what he says. It's really everything that he talks to us about, James 3, 17, but the, what is this again? The wisdom that comes from above, from God, this heaven sent, the supernatural wisdom, leads us to be, let's read these words together, will you help me? Leads us to be pure and friendly and gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. Now, keep that up, guys, if you will, for just a moment. I mean, when you look at those terms, Aren't those terms everything that you and I actually want to be? I mean, don't you want to be pure in your life? Just sort of wave at me like this. How many of you would like to be a little more friendly? Let me see those hands. I'm just, okay, just checking. Gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. You know what James is saying? All these things are tethered back to wisdom. So wisdom, fundamentally speaking, helps us to more clearly see God's purpose and plan for our life. Now, I know that I've given you a lot of scriptures to give consideration from, from James' writings also, the wisdom writer of the Proverbs and other places. But in our remaining time, I want to give you four practical observations concerning wisdom, and I want you to be sure you capture them. Let me say it another way. What I did on Thursday don't do in the next few minutes. See, if pastor had have only told me there was going to be a test, I think I would have done much better. So, there's going to be a test. Not really, but thinking that, that kind of way. All right, four things. You ready? You ready? Wave at me if you're ready. Here we go. If you want to grow in wisdom, it's so simple, but we don't do it. We don't do it nearly the way we should. If we want to grow in wisdom, here it is. It's not profound. It's not deep, but I'm going to give it to you anyhow because we don't often practice it. Hang out with wise people. That's a good start, isn't it? This is so simple. But why is it so simplistic? It's so simplistic that oftentimes we don't do it. And, and let me just ask you, I mentioned this is… Uh, 
going to be a test, and this is sort of the pretest, all right? So here we go. Let me just ask you, what happens when you hang out with negative people? Talk to me. It's okay. It's legal. What happens if you hang out with negative people all the time? You're going to become probably negative. How many of you know that stuff sort of spills out on you? You hang around negative people long enough, you cannot help it. You're going to find yourself having negative thoughts, probably saying negative words. How many of you know what happens if you hang around gossiping people? How many of you know? Talk to me. You can talk to me. What happens if you're continually hanging around gossiping people? You're going to chatter. You're going to talk. You know, I like what Rick Warren says. Rick Warren says gossiping is when you're not a part of the problem or you're not a part of the solution, but you're still talking about it. And so if you're hanging around gossiping people, guess what's going to happen? You're going to learn how to chatter and gossip. What happens if you're always hanging out with critical people? What's going to happen? You're going to become critical. You're going to find fault in so many different things. What happens if you hang around with complaining people? You just hang around complaining people long enough, what's going to happen? You're going to whine. You're going to grumble. It's just going to become a part of your life because it's what you're familiar with. What happens if you hang around with Georgia Bulldog fans? It proves you're in the center of God's perfect will. That's what it does. That's what it proves. You hang around wise people, what happens? You get wiser. Reflecting back in that in high school, when I first started hanging out in high school with a group of friends, I probably should not, looking back, have been hanging out with foolish people. And as a result, guess what I, what I did? I made foolish decisions. Probably my freshman and sophomore uh, years of high school, and, I was just, and, and it just sort of dawned on me one day. You know, you just keep hanging around with foolish people. You're going to keep making more and more foolish decisions. I want you to read this verse with me before we move on to point number two. Let's read it together. You're doing great, by the way. Proverbs 13, 20. Let's all read it. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools. Yep, that's right. You hang out with fools long enough, you're going to get in trouble. It will happen. Honestly, many of you would greatly benefit from finding some new friends. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Point number two. You know that you're getting wiser when you learn. Are you ready for this one? You ready? This is how you know you're growing in wisdom. When you learn to bite your tongue. That's how you know you're gaining wisdom. Do you ever feel this particular tension? Have you ever been there? I know that I've been at this place so many times. Have you ever felt this tension? Have you ever said something like this to yourself? You ever do self-taughts? Have you ever said something like this and whatever, maybe it was at work or home or wherever you were among some friends, maybe some extended family members, and you've said something like this to yourself, I know I need to keep my mouth shut. Have you ever done that? You know what I need to do? I need to keep my mouth shut. I don't even need to speak to this. It would be unwise for me to speak to it. But how many of you know when you got that thought going on, there's another little thought that enters your mind that says, nope, go ahead and say it. Go ahead, let it rip. Have you ever had, we're all family, right? We're all family, right? We're church family. Have you ever had this feeling, don't even say anything. You don't need to say anything. Keep your mouth quiet. You know, shut up. Don't say a word. It's only going to cause problems. Don't even say it. Don't even say it. And then you have this thought over here. No, go ahead and say it. Go ahead. You know, you feel it. You might as well say it, you know, and, and then you're back and forth. And do you ever feel like, I'm just going to explode if I don't say it? Have you ever done this? 
And then how many of you went ahead and said it anyhow? And you're like, oh, that wasn't wise. That was a foolish decision. Some of us need to make this next verse that you're going to see on the screen. You need to make this. Many of us probably would benefit from this, making this next verse our life verse. Are you ready for it? When words are what? Many sin is not absent, but he who is wise, wise, wise. All right. Here's not really a test, but a question. How many of you, I'll go ahead and raise my hand because this will help a lot of you who are reluctant or you want everybody to think that you're better than what you actually are and, you know, you've got a reputation to uphold. How many of you, how many of you feel that you sin more than you should? Raise your hand. You sin more, okay, I, you sin maybe considerably more than what you should? And we can't fully reduce, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just say, you know what, if this is sort of my sin quote right here, you know, I can bring it from this all the way down to zero. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? Paul said in Romans, we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We don't like it, but we sin because we have this fallen nature and, and this nature that's tied back to Adam, this Adamic nature. And some of you said, did he just cuss in church? No, I didn't just cuss. This Adamic, this fallen nature, Adam's nature that is within us. And so we find this propensity that we have to sin. And oftentimes we sin way more than we should. You know what the writer is saying right here? He's saying, do you want to reduce the volume of your sins? And how many of you would like to do that? Wave at me. You want to reduce the volume of your sins. The writer tells us how. If you want to reduce sin in your life, say less, not more. Be quiet. You want to reduce sin? You want to get a good start on that Monday morning? Say less than what you typically would. I didn't make that up. That's why the Bible says. How many of you have ever heard of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, this German theologian? How many of you have heard of him? He used to speak, this is a great statement, he used to speak in what he called, and I quote, the ministry of holding one's tongue. Neil Escalon, he writes this, and it's really good. I want you to see it on the screen. He said, the individual who holds his tongue feels the same temptation as the one who blows his lid. So wisdom would say, wisdom would dictate that it is a wise thing. If we want to become wise, we hang out with wise people, and that we get wiser when we learn to bite our tongue. Thirdly, thirdly, here it is, it is always wise to keep yourself under control. Keep yourself under control in regards to anger. Haven't you noticed that a foolish person can let off steam and blow up in anger without really giving it a second thought? Much like speaking, well, this is how I feel, so why should I try and hide it? It is not, we all feel anger, right? It's human emotion. But we need to keep it tempered. The Scriptures would teach, which is our rule for life and practice. The Scriptures would teach that it is a very wise thing to keep our anger under control. How many of you would agree with that? Do we feel it from time to time? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that we have to express it. Now, I could show you a lot of verses on this, but I'll just show you one right here. Take a look at this. Jumping back to the Proverbs, a what? A fool gives full vent to his anger, but read this together, a wise man keeps himself under 
control. It's like the nozzle on a water hose. You can release the water with full force, or you can keep the water somewhat contained. Now, I'll just give you a little personal um, reflection here. We have three kids. Uh, Two of the three knew how to press my buttons. Do you have any kids like that? They, just, they know where every button is, and they just knew how to press them. And that would be Brandon Drew. Now, there's four people, and we're talking about kids and grandkids. We're not talking about friends and extended family members, but in regards to kids, and now, you know, for this personal example, grandkids, that they never push me, and, and guys are going to put them on, on the screen. Here's the ones and, uh, that just never, I think you guys have this. See the young lady on the right? That's my daughter, our daughter, and she's getting married the end of, of June, and she's been like, perfect. That is such a fortunate young man that is getting her. I, I, want, I, I, want, you to, uh, I want you to pray because when I lifted my hand earlier that I needed wisdom, here's where I need an enormous amount of wisdom. I need God to get, just give it to me generously. So here is our baby girl that's going to get married in about three months. And see this guy, a lot of you may recognize him. He's a good guy. He grew up in this church. He graduated from VCA. He's a good guy. I like him for a lot of reasons, but there's a big problem he has. He is a diehard Florida Gator fan. (laughs) And this is problematic. And I'm always thinking, and this is where I need wisdom because I think this out. I think, all right, you know, they're getting married. That's going to happen. And, you know, I don't know what their decisions are. It's their business, not mine, as to whether or not they're going to have, they're going to have kids in the future. And then if they do, here's a dilemma. See this guy on the left? If he, and I just think about this. This is where I'm going to need the wisdom of God. And I think I've found it. Maybe you will help me with this tonight. I think, what if this guy right here on the left, who is an avid, diehard Florida Gator fan, and let's say in the future they have these grandchildren, and our grandbabies show up at our house, and our grandbaby has on a Florida Gator outfit. This is a problem. This is an issue. I need wisdom from heaven. And I think I've got it. Let me see if you agree. I'm going to go out at some point, you know, whenever that day comes, and I'm going to buy a Georgia Bulldog outfit that is representative of every age the child will be. And if this child shows up on my doorstep in Florida Gator gear, this child will be changed into a Georgia Bulldog outfit before they ever cross the threshold and come. You know, you couldn't come into the holy place with, you know, defilement. You had to, you had to come clean. You had to come clean. So these boys, oh, man. And then go back for just a second because these three over here, now these, uh, these three are about to show up. They live in Illinois. These are our grandbabies, King Lane Landry and Brody, and they're going to be here Tuesday. And they never, never, never push me to anger. The boys, different story. On numerous occasions, push me to the edge of becoming an absolute fool. Proverbs 29.8, look at it with me. Mockers stir up a city, but wise men turn away from anger. Last one. Here we are. We're out of time, and I'll just hit it quickly. If you want to grow in wisdom, 
listen to sensible advice? Have you connected with, I know we're having fun, but this is a very sobering question. Have you connected with and learning from someone wiser than you? And some of you may be thinking, I'd love to do that, but I haven't found anybody wiser than me yet. <laughs> I can't find anybody. Well, there's not anybody who knows everything about life, marriage, family, spiritual life, growth, money, leadership, health, all that. There's people in and around your life that has wisdom that you and I do not have, and we ought to tap into that. Would you agree? Someone has written this, and I love it. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Nobody lives long enough to make them all himself. I'm out of time, but let me show you one more verse, and then we're going to pray. In fact, you can go ahead and stand. We're out of time. All right? Will we all read this one together? Listen to advice and accept discipline so that you may be wise the rest of your life. How many of you would love to just have some long-term wisdom? You know what James said, half-brother of Jesus? He said, you know what? You need it, you need it. Then ask God for it because God stands ready to give it to you. And when he gives it to you, He's going to give it to you generously. And so when you ask for wisdom, because a lot of us raise our hands, we've got to make some decisions. Maybe you've got some pretty weighty decisions that are ahead of you. James would say, just ask God, ask God, ask God, ask God. And when you ask, you believe. And God is there. And he's going to give it to you. Here's how I want us to end the service tonight. A lot of us have all the time in so many spectrums of our life, decisions that we need to make. And we know it's so much bigger, deeper, broader than our own wisdom that we possess in and of ourselves. And so there's probably many, many, many of us in this room that we need wisdom from God. Decisions we've got to make. We want to do the right thing. We want to do the godly thing. We want to do the appropriate thing. And we've got decisions we need to make. I'd love it if you'd give us an opportunity to pray with you. And maybe your decision that you've got to make, it's just... It's just so personal. Maybe it's even quasi-embarrassing that you're like, I don't know that I can even put it into words, but I've, I need to make a decision about this. It may be in money and like, you know, I made some mistakes in money. I need to make a decision or this is going on at work and it's too personal to talk about because personalities are involved, but I need wisdom about that. You don't have to, but just give us an opportunity as a worship team scenes. And we're not going to take long to do this, but if you need prayer, and you need some heaven-sent wisdom, and you want somebody to agree with you, as soon as they begin to sing, just step out to the closest aisle and come down front, and we want to pray with you before you go. And the rest of you, if you're not coming, let's just worship God and love God together, and we pray for the people around this altar. So you start coming as they start singing. From you are all things, and to you are all things, and you deserve the glory. Let's sing that together. You're worthy. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you, Jesus, for from you are all things. 
not too late to have somebody pray with you tonight and if you need wisdom from God and you want somebody to agree with you we're gonna hang out here for a few moments and do that aren't you thankful for the person of the Holy Spirit that is operative in our life one of the beautiful things about being a follower of Jesus among many things is we have the Holy Spirit living and abiding within us and he says here's what I'll do I'll, I'll guide you I'll teach you I'll show you what I want you to do. And some of you are going to be in that place. Remember Jesus talking to his followers, and he said, there's going to be times you're going to be standing there, and you're not going to know what to do, what to think, what to say. But you just trust me. I'll give you the words to say. And God stands ready to help us because he loves us. So, Father, we thank you for this night, and that we could all be together. We know that you care about us. God, you are not against us. You are for us, and you want to give us guidance and direction in our life. 
And Father, we thank you for salvation, this wonderful gift of grace. We thank you for the inner operation of your Holy Spirit at work in our life, guiding us, teaching us, convicting us, comforting us, all the things that we need and want. And I just pray that you'd bless this wonderful church family this week. Give them an awesome week. Bring us back together. Be with those who are in Honduras right now, our students, those who are going to leave for Israel. God, you're so good to us, and we want to give you praise in Jesus' name. Can we put our hands together and give Jesus some praise before we leave this place? He's a good God, isn't he? Have an awesome week. I love you, everybody. We'll see you right back here Wednesday night.